Hey, it's Shade Allen from Canton, Georgia. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game. Hey, Paul, it's Shade. I'm leaving camp. Feeling okay. Had some great feedback. But I had an issue with one of my partners. I guess she's been officiating for like maybe three or four or five years. I'm not sure. And it was just like she didn't trust the fact that I can make calls. And it's just like I was on an island in the sea for like so long. And they wanted me to be more engaged. And I'm just like, I don't know how to communicate with certain officials as far as, you know, when they have like seniority or whatever like that. So I don't know. It's just like I don't feel like too good about my performance the second game but I was wondering if you can give me like some nuggets you know going in tomorrow and Sunday hey Shada I really appreciate you listening to the podcast seeking my advice and reaching out I hope camp is going really well for you you know camp is interesting in the sense that most of the time you've never met your partner or partners that you're working with so it's tough to develop a sense of comfort off one game Just remember, everybody is out here auditioning for a job, trying to showcase their skills. People spend a lot of money, travel, and time away from their family to be at these camps. So you want to feel like you're putting your best foot forward. Naturally, it's tough to trust people that we just meet, right? But in this setting, and in every setting that relates to to refereeing, it's important that we trust our partners. Regardless if you think your partner is an amateur, an intermediate, or a pro. So in this particular case, if If your partner doesn't trust you, then that's on them. If they want to call multiple times in your primary, that's on them. That's not a reflection on you. Just to give you uh, what worked for me is, you know, I eliminate any emotion with what my partners are calling. Simply because I don't have any emotion to what I'm calling. I focus on trying to strip it out and just see the black and white and then understand what to do with the gray when it appears. So worrying about what your partner's or calling is only going to leave you bitter and unfocused on your responsibility. Look, when you blow the whistle, just be right. Just be right. So if you're not calling these plays and you're confident in that decision, then that will show that you have good judgment and patience. Honestly, we can't worry about what our partners are calling because it's out of our control. Um, a camp setting is very different from a normal game setting. In this same scenario during the regular season, you're going to have the opportunity to talk to your partner at halftime. You'll get together at timeouts or if there's any issues, you know, like the ones you're presenting, then these are things that you'll just discuss. Now, in a camp setting, I think it's different because we don't want to go out there and provide instruction to our peers when we're out here paying for instruction. You know, don't go out there and coach your partners when we're paying to get coached. I think it's just it's a bad it's a bad vibe. And most referees aren't going to be too accepting of it, especially if you don't have any rapport built with them. Now, as far as looking more engaged, I can relate to this because this is something I sometimes struggle with. Now, it's not hard to be engaged, but sometimes it is hard to show engagement, especially when you have very few whistles. So you just have to go out there, own your third, trust your partners. And as far as communication, most importantly, just keep the dialogue positive and uh, go out and do your thing.
Now, Shade, were the observers telling you that you were missing plays in your primary? They wasn't telling me that. It was just like there was another official out there that had like four or five different calls, like, you know, made four or five different calls back to back to back to back. And we had a double whistle, but I was like cadence, you know. And instead of me going to report it, she went ahead and took the initiative. They wanted me to be, I guess, more aggressive by taking the initiative to go report the foul because I had nothing going on in my primary. So I was just a little bit confused as to what they really wanted from me because I didn't want to go outside my primary, but I also didn't want to make it seem as though I wasn't engaged, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Look, when we're speaking about when one official has had a majority of the whistles and then a double whistle occurs, we want to have the game awareness and respect the crew dynamics enough to know that we're going to give it up to the official that hasn't had many whistles. So, Shade, that being said, if you're in that spot again, expect to take this play to the table. One thing we don't want to show in this spot is any timidness. It's like, you know, our number's being called. They want you to step up. You're not going to go race to the table, but it should be expected that that's your play. And conversely, when you're in the opposite spot, just remember to give this play up. You know, I think that's just good partnering. But um, listen and process what the observers are saying. Maybe try to get the film from this tournament if possible. I know a lot of these big tournaments now have film available, whether it's ball or TV or crossover. See if you can take a look at these plays. Look at your positioning. See where you were located on the court and the angle and view that you had when your partners had the whistle. You know, ask who should have the primary primary whistle on this play. Take a look if the call was correct. If you should have had more whistles, that will just identify what you have to improve on, which is a positive. And if you were correct, that will then provide you the reassurance and confidence for your own psyche. This is one big game of self-belief and having that internal trust. So don't waver from that. Don't let other people's decisions affect yours. All you have to do is own your third. Take ownership of your primary and trust your partners, even if they don't trust you. Shade, is there any more feedback from camp that you want to discuss or you want me to clarify for you? What else did they tell you? And they also said um, I had happy feet. And I know you're supposed to move with a purpose, but this is boys basketball, 17 and under. They're playing above the rim. Um, you have everybody in there from LSU, Kansas. So they're, you know, playing a certain way. And I'm out having the opportunity to see plays. So I'm just trying to, you know, anticipate, you know, the pass or the defense. But they say I was moving too much. I definitely know what you mean by happy feet because that's exactly what I've been told before at camp. One observer once said, um, you know, you're out here moving like you're taking a step or an aerobics class at your local fitness center. I thought that was uh, that was pretty good. You don't have to move around that fast. Just be comfortable and position adjust when necessary to see in between every competitive matchup. You know, you want to move with a purpose and always move to improve your vision. But we want to look poised and eliminate any excess or unnecessary movement from our game. If you feel comfortable like you have a great look, there's no need to go anywhere. Remember, we want to exude poise, gracefulness, balance, and look in control of both our mind and body. I understand when you're working a more high-level game where the players are very quick, long, and athletic, and the game speeds up, and we feel like we have to move at a more rapid pace. Believe it or not, that's where we actually have to slow ourselves down. 
when the game speeds up, we have to offset that by slowing down our processing and decision making. Our body is a reflection of our mind. So if our body is out there moving too quickly, what do you think our brain is doing? We're real excited to partner with Neat Tux to give the Crown Refs audience a 20% discount off your next order. If you go to neattux.com and enter Crown Refs at checkout, you'll get 20% off your next order. Neat Tux is a product that I use, I endorse, I believe in. I feel like if you wear the stripes, you should be wearing Neat Tux to get that clean, professional look. So again, go to neattux.com, enter Crown Refs at checkout to get 20% off your next order. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs serving the game. Make sure you go to neattucks.com right now to get your 20% off discount. Sale ends August 1st. You think we're more clear and focused to make judgments when our body is calm and under control? And I can totally relate to this feedback, and I think most officials have heard this critique before. It's natural for us as referees in our first couple years to hear this reaction, so don't worry about it. Just embrace it, own it, and start to put together an action plan for improving it. Just to give you my own personal experience, what worked for me, when numerous observers from my first couple camps told me I was moving around too much, I decided that I was going to counteract that by saying, if I'm going to start slowing down, then I want to focus on super slow motion. That's all I kept saying to myself, super slow-mo, because I felt if I want to slow down, I wasn't going to achieve the results I wanted in a timely fashion. I had to accelerate this process, and I was tired of hearing the same feedback. So me being super fast at the time, I needed to try super slow, and I thought that would get me to the right speed and flow, which it did. I started to feel more comfortable as soon as I implemented that strategy. Let's call it the super slow motion tip. Yeah, that sounds good. Now, this does not apply to you running up and down the court or or your hustle. It's really specific to the half court and your mental speed with processing of plays, what our body looks like when we're calling a foul, how we move to the table, and the speed of the signals and the communication when we're reporting to the table. It's also your overall physical demeanor, and that's an indication of our mental state. Our physical demeanor is an indication of our mental state, how we're thinking, and if we're we're reacting as opposed to responding. Reaction versus response, two worlds apart in my opinion with regards to your mindset. You're either one or the other, either you're a reactor or you're a responder. And this is in life too. But specific to basketball, a reaction to me is more of a retaliation, a comeback. To me, it feels like less time is being spent deciding, sort of like a quick reply without critical thinking. Um, It also implies that to me that there is emotion present, which can cloud our judgment. And it shows your personal face and the situation controls us. For me, when we respond to a situation, or in our case, a play or a question or a comment or a concern, it reveals our professional face and it allows us to control the situation. It's like a counterpunch. It's providing the answer, taking a moment to process the situation first, then responding accordingly in a positive manner. So that couple seconds that you first feel duress, you just have to take a deep breath, take a second to process. Instead of that bang, bang reaction, it's bang, bang, breath, thought, response. So it's duress, breath, thought, response, duress, breath, thought, response.
Follow these order of operations on the basketball court and you'll start to see and feel more patience, poise, confidence, and you'll be in control of the critical moments of the game. Hey Sade, what do you got? How is your second day of camp going? So I had three games today, Paul. I was supposed to have only two, but they gave me a third one, which was fine. After the game, my last game started at 6 o'clock or 6.30. She asked me a question why I made a certain call, right? I said it was marginal contact. She told me stop using that word when the um, clinician asked you why you made a certain call. What? Just to clarify for the audience, the clinician actually asked why she made a no call and used the word marginal contact. Okay, if we're going to get technical, she's right. There's no such word as marginal in the book when describing contact. We want to use and label incidental as the contact that is not illegal, right? So two types of contact, illegal versus incidental. The fact of the matter is you might hear some clinicians and fellow officials use that word frequently. So just have the awareness for yourself to acknowledge that marginal is not an approved term. I'm not telling you not to use it, but I'm telling you not to use it in front of that observer again. So the next time you're describing a no call, you could replace it with, I didn't have any illegal contact on that play. Shade, I know you've had a couple days to kind of reflect after camp. I'd be happy to answer any more questions that you have. Did they point anything else out to you? They pointed something out um, as far as the crew being a team or looking like a team out there. My thing is you're going in individually trying to pick, get picked up. So it's like they're coming to see you. So it was kind of like weird to me when they would say that you guys – are on your own island. It's like you guys don't look like a team out there. It's like I just met this person maybe 20 minutes ago, and you want us to have all the chemistry in the world. So that was kind of challenging to me to build some type of chemistry, and I just met this person. So my question is, how do you build chemistry or have that type of camaraderie, like coming together with a new crew like like I don't know what they wanted or what they expected us to do or me to do when working with college officials that I've never known I it was kind of challenging so what is some of your advice like you know going into you know building chemistry or getting not necessarily getting on the same page but looking like a unit other than looking like we're just three individuals out there working. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Please let me know what you think. I hear you, Shade. This is a tough one to answer. And, you know, it can be difficult to display chemistry with a crew that you just met, especially because it's an individual tryout and you're most likely not being rated as a crew. But keep in mind, you're being rated on how well you can work with the crew. I mean, what is chemistry? What does chemistry look like for us as basketball officials? Just a couple things that come to mind. Uh, what I spoke about earlier is trusting each other, letting the primary official live and die in their area. Unless you have to come out and get a whale or a shark, you're not coming out of your area for a goldfish or a sardine. 
Also, I think bringing positive energy will always set you up for success and communicating with each other as much as possible will absolutely show that togetherness and that you're in sync, whether it's during a dead ball, at timeouts, or even while you're rotating. I like to tell my partners good call after their first whistle, regardless if I like it. I'll never forget when a great partner of mine first told me good call. I was in trail and I just called a foul and I don't even think I liked the call, but before I can even process the play, as I was switching from trail to sea, crossing paths with him, I just hear good call, Paul. And I'll never forget that because it was such a confidence builder to hear that from somebody I had just met. I mean, what a great icebreaker great partnering. So I recommend you all try this if you haven't done it before. Remember, Crown Ref's number one skill set as an official is to be a great partner. So if you put this first ahead of yourself, it will show. And one more thing, you can't control how your partners are going to approach the game. You can't control their makeup. You can't control their basketball EQ. All you can do is lead by example and set a positive tone. Thank you so, so much for listening to the Crown Ref's podcast. We really appreciate you checking out the content and all of your support. I would be so grateful if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. So much so that I want to ship you a free whistle. So the first five people that go leave a review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it. And then send me the DM. I'm going to ship you a free whistle because I'd be honored if you wore it. Have a blessed day.